0: It's one of the world's largest sporting events. Today, tips for business aviation flight crews and passengers heading to Qatar for the 2022 World Cup. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news and information. As many as 3 million people are expected to head to Doha, Qatar for the 2022 FIFA World Cup, the premier global competition in men's football, or what we call soccer here in the U.S. Matches kick off November 20th and will run through mid-December, and many of those spectators from around the world will travel to Doha on board business aircraft. To discuss the particulars involved in planning and operating those flights, I'm pleased to welcome today three trip planning experts based in the region. James Cullis is Operations Director at United Aviation Services, or UAS, based in Dubai. And Tom Murphy is Head of FBOs and Aviation for Gamma Aviation in Sarja. We'll begin, though, with Sobhi Sendian, Associate Director of Operations for UAS. So, P, am I correct in thinking that planning a trip to this year's World Cup poses some unique challenges compared to past events?
1: It's totally different this year. Qatar is a small country. The, the most important for the crew and the passengers flying into uh, Qatar for the World Cup, they have to be fully familiar with the um, entry requirements for Doha during the World Cup. There are a lot of um, requirements, I mean, because uh, apparently no one will be allowed to enter Doha or Qatar unless they have a confirmed ticket for the World Cup. And they should be having also the HIA card and also they have to look after their vaccinations, accommodation, transportation arrangements. It's quite complex in, in Qatar right now because of the very limited availability of the uh, slots and parking in, in Doha. So any operator who's going to fly to Doha, I mean, they are only allowed to stay uh, maximum like 60 minutes on the ground. And I'm talking about the general aviation. The operation, they will have to be uh, deciding on where they want to have their aircraft parked. I mean, they, they can have only drop the passenger in Doha and have to fly in maximum 60 minutes to, uh, for uh, parking in uh, nearby airports. Also, they have to consider the hotels in Doha because apparently the hotels in Doha are very limited and are, I think it's almost like fully booked uh, by now for the World Cup. So uh, if the passenger did not make any accommodation plans, they, they should maybe consider flying to the UAE or to nearby uh, cities to, and, and maybe take daily flights for the matches that they want to attend. A crew also should be very um, familiar with the slot restrictions in Qatar during the World Cup. There are like severe restrictions and penalties in case of any uh, slot misuse or any last-minute cancellations. These penalties may come uh, up to $30,000. Tom, it sounds like
0: failure to plan ahead could get expensive very quickly.
2: Yeah. So really just to echo what Subi said, particularly with the hotels, I actually had a look earlier. There is availability, but you're looking at at least around $1,000 per night. So very limited on options there. But I think what's crucial is for you know operators, crew, brokers, trip support companies, explain to the passengers and their clients exactly what the restrictions are and exactly what the penalties are. So that there's absolute clarity on the risks of that. For example, slot violations comes with a $5,000 fine, and that may not be the customer's fault. It might be a delay at an FBO. They might not have been able to have got fuel at their origin, but that in turn delays them for their arrival in Qatar. So these are the sort of things that have to be very clear to the client.
0: James, going back to the 60-minute restriction in Doha, that sure doesn't sound like a lot of time to drop passengers.
3: What Qatar have done is a couple of years ago, they moved to their new international airport known as Hamad International Airport, where all of the commercial traffic for all airlines goes. Um, But in order to accommodate the increased capacity, they've actually reopened the old airport called Doha International Airport or DIA. So they've currently opened that regionally to accept passengers and aircraft on the kind of trial basis to make sure the functionality of the airport is still there. I know that Fly Dubai have started operations into DIA now. And when the World Cup begins in earnest, um, most general aviation traffic will be fed into DIA, and commercial traffic will will be maintained at the new airport, HIA. And regionally, what Qatar have done is they've signed agreements with most of the regional carriers, Oman Air, Kuwait, to increase capacity on their commercial airlines so that you can operate, quote-unquote, day trips. So that if there's a decision from a general aviation company that they don't want to stay in Qatar for whatever reason, no hotels, or it's not for them, they would potentially fly into Dubai or uh, Oman, and then they would jump on a commercial airline straight into Qatar, watch their match, return ticket back out. That's a pretty impressive level of foresight, especially in recognizing the need for that second airport. hundred percent. And they've only got one handler there's not going to be a choice. It's a monopoly. and That's Qatar Aviation Services. They will be doing everything um, supporting the aircraft on the ground. Um, I would imagine because DIA technically isn't connected to HIA. So my assumption would be that a team from CAS would have to relocate over to DIA and would be the dedicated team to support general aviation. You would assume that the general aviation aircraft that operate into DIA would be of a smaller nature, Gulf Streams and the like. So, refueling and all of that stuff should be achievable within one hour. But as Supay, uh, uh mentioned uh, initially, it's really, really important that uh, the adherence to the regulations is maintained because DIA and HI are going to be both slot three level restricted. So this is on par with London Heathrow and probably JFK and Chicago, and the penalties will be strictly enforced.
0: More of our conversation in just a moment after this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, your podcast is ready everywhere. You can download it from iTunes, ask your smart speaker to give you a listen, or hear it in any car with Apple's CarPlay. NBAA Flight Plan, available anytime, anywhere. We're back now with Sobi Sendyan, Tom Murphy, and James Cullis, and our discussion about preparations for traveling to Qatar for this year's FIFA World Cup. James, what impacts should operators consider from the current situation in Ukraine? How might airspace closures
3: over that country in Russia affect flights to the World Cup? Principally, flights flying from you know, North America into, you know, India uh, have to have uh, route adjustments because they sometimes will operate a polar route that will come right down over Russia, which they, they wouldn't be doing now. And especially Ukraine with the um, with the conflict going on there. So that's affected, obviously, fuel burn and flight times. So the impact on a financial level is massively significant, but safety obviously is never going to be compromised. I think in terms of flight planning, the NOTAMs have been in place for a while now. When you look at flight monitoring software, such as the Obvious Flight Radar, uh, there is a massive reroute around uh, Ukraine and Belarus as they operate out of the region and up uh, over to the Americas. I don't believe Emirates has a problem with that. They still overfly Russia, which is fine, um, but avoiding the conflict zone in the Ukraine. Um, so what I would anticipate for operators coming in from the Americas is fuel permitting. They would make a stop on the edge of Europe for fuel and then operate down. We have been speaking to some people in the region, which were particularly, for instance, Jordan, which has a lot of cultural and religious tourism, that they would be offering uh, package deals where you would make your tech stop in in Jordan. You would go see Petra, and then from Petra or from Jordan, you would operate into Doha, see the match, and then back to Jordan, refuel, and then back to... The US, for instance, these are the kind of things that we're looking at, um, which would also play into the fact that we have to be mindful of conflict zones. But we've always had conflict zones. So flight planners, uh, you know, across the board, commercial general aviation are always going to be aware of these issues and will more than likely plug into their flight planning software these specific restrictions so that when routes are plotted, they avoid specific issues and locations that they don't want to overfly, either political or whatever reason that they might have. They just avoid them. Tom, are there any special
0: security procedures in place that may affect travelers or flight crews?
2: I don't believe there's any special security procedures in place. However, outside of that, you know, there's going to be it's a, it's a small country with congested infrastructure, so I guess there's going to be queues, there's going to be waits for transportation. In addition to that, the Suvi already alluded to the higher card, which is your entry permit to the state of Qatar and stadiums. There's also PCR requirements for for Qatar. But in terms of security procedures, I'm not aware of anything new that's been implemented.
0: What else should they keep in mind when they're in the region, James, perhaps from a cultural
3: perspective? Having lived there for six years, obviously there's the religious elements dressing modestly you can wear what you want but you just have to be mindful of the fact that this isn't your country and they are a traditional uh, people it is also worth bearing in mind that you are not allowed to bring your own alcohol into the country that is strictly prohibited so it is something to be aware of when you're traveling into qatar that that might be something that gets scrutinized on arrival I believe in, in the United Arab Emirates, you're allowed to, enter Dubai, you're allowed to enter with three liters of duty-free alcohol. You will not be allowed that into Qatar. Great advice. Thank you. So, Pete, going back to the need for crews to relocate their
0: aircraft to other airports after dropping off their passengers in Doha, what airports would you recommend crews head to, and are there any special procedures they should keep in mind?
1: No, like specific procedures. I mean, it, it depends on the um, the nationality of the the crew. I mean, if you are talking about North American and European crew, I think the UAE would be the best place for them. I mean, you'll have the Western lifestyle here. I mean, you'll have the many attractions. There is also great variety of the um, high star rating hotels in, in in the UAE in general, and especially in Dubai. That's, I mean, the entry requirements are very easy in in in, uh, in the UAE. The UAE government that had announced—I mean, whoever is uh, holding the the higher ticket will be uh, will not require any visa to enter the UAE. I think that has also been announced by the Saudis. I think the UAE would be the best place for the uh, American and uh, European crew. They will have a lot of five stars hotel and transportation and attractions and all this stuff.
3: We're not just saying that because we live here. To be honest, when I compare the two Dubai against uh, Qatar when you've got general aviation private flights operating into the region, the assumption would be that the standard has to be of a certain level. Um, and whereas Qatar has has gone on a, a construction tear to make sure that they'll be fully able to support the hundreds of thousands of people entering Qatar a day, when you're looking at the service levels and standards Dubai has six-star hotels on the palm and it's it's effectively a man-made island filled with all of the world's most famous and luxurious hotels. So what the UAE government is announcing and promoting is, is that exact thing. Come to Dubai, visit Qatar, but stay here. You've got the world's tallest building. Um, you've got a man-made island full of five-star hotels And so on days where you're not going to matches, you can be in Dubai and then just jump on a shuttle for your World Cup experience. Tom? Just to add to that,
2: the UAE have also got a number of fan zones throughout the country. So when travelers are in the UAE, not on a match day in Qatar, they've still got numerous places to go to to view and enjoy the matches. Uh, And as James said, just a countless amount of hotels and restaurants. But if you also just dig a bit deeper in terms of what FBOs are, are in the UAE, um, operators and passengers are spoiled for choice. It's a very competitive landscape. There's five FBOs in DWC, two FBOs in DXB, one in Charger and one each in Abu Dhabi, Albertine uh, and Abu Dhabi International. Charger is just 30 minutes from downtown Dubai, You know, I I feel it's a great solution for for this scenario, because if we think about what's really key whilst operating during the World Cup, you have to be on time for your slot in Qatar. So Sharjah is a less congested airport, uh, zero slot restrictions and a six minute taxi time. So, you know, I feel that's a a huge incentive for for, for any travellers making their way to the tournament.
0: What other tips or advice would you like to share with business aviation crews heading to the World Cup, Tom?
2: Most of the focus is on the restrictions in Qatar, but it's just to remind travellers that there's PCR requirements for uh, the UAE also. So if you're vaccinated, it's fine. You can arrive without a uh, PCR test. But if you're not vaccinated, uh, all travellers need a PCR test. So... I, I think the last thing anyone wants to be doing is scrambling around trying to find somewhere to get a PCR test whilst well, in Qatar during the melee with many, many travelers there. So it's just something to consider and not get
1: caught out on, particularly if you're there for more than a few days. Sohi? He- just considering the, um, the the amount of the general aviation flights that are going to be uh, required to reposition from Qatar. And uh, we know that there are, I mean, a high demand on the airports in the UAE. So I think the operator should, they should plan uh, as early as possible on their parking location, because apparently at some point, I mean, there will be uh, even no parking in the UAE. It might be required to um, reposition to um, a remote airport in the UAE. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, there's not only Dubai, Sharjah, and Abu Dhabi, Still, still can fly to, um, Fujairah and Ras al-Khaimah airport, but they don't have the FBO experience as in Dubai and Sharjah and and Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, I mean, the operator, they need to plan as early as possible and make uh, a confirmed plan for for their parking uh, airport after Doha.
0: James, what else should travelers know before they head to Qatar?
3: Just two points, really. The first is I can't stress enough how procedural this whole event is going to be from Qatar and the most important thing is nothing will get done until you have your ticket anyone any operator anywhere in the world if they if they do it themselves or they use a trip support company or whatever the state of qatar will not give anything handling confirmations of slots and permits and all of that until you can prove you have a ticket. This is critically the small snowball that will start the avalanche of approvals. And it's it's so important that that is the first thing. As an ITP, we can't start making inquiries and start booking processes with all of the, the authorities in Qatar until we know that a confirmed ticket by a person who's actually going to go has been received so i might have overstressed it but i believe i've not stressed it enough it's that important and they've been that they've been that vocal about that on a lighter note most people from the americas may not come to this region ever again they're coming for football but take advantage of the opportunity of coming to a region that you may have never experienced and may never experience again you know it's not it's not something that's you can describe it's a very unique place to live and work we've all lived here for years and years and years now and it's it's a very exhilarating place there's genuinely something for everyone if it's nightlife you're after there's something if it's culture you're after it's something there's a piece of the pie for everyone so take advantage of it that would be my suggestion
0: And as a reminder, further tips for operating to Doha, Dubai, Sharjah, and other international destinations are available at NBAA's International Flight Operations Resource at nbaa.org forward slash I-N-T-L. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan.